First Peter chapter one, if you have your Bibles. First Peter chapter one. People who study these kind of things, I don't, I don't quite know how they could come up with this number, uh, but I'm sure there's a way they did it. They estimate that we think fifty thousand different thoughts every day. The vast majority of them are pure nonsense. We often dwell on the past or on the future, obsessing about mistakes we might have made, battling guilt, planning ahead, or just plain worry. We are constantly drifting into fantasy, fiction, and negativity. Consequently, this article goes on to say, an absolute minuscule of the number of thoughts are actually focused on what truly is important and real in the present moment. The moment that, uh, the moment is all that is. Everything else either will be or can't be changed. People have estimated that 70 to 80 percent of their daily thoughts are negative. If that's true, it's very sad. The human mind seems to be wired for negativity. You'd be surprised how much you can control those thoughts through your, uh, through your, and, and as a result, your emotions, even if the number is 50,000 times a day. I want to minister on a sermon that I've taken the title out of the New Living Translation called Preparing Your Mind. And Peter writes, and there's large amounts of the New Testament that deal with the mind. And so I want to talk to you about preparing your mind. It says in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1, So prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control. Put your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must live a holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. I want to talk to you firstly about preparing the mind. Because preparing your mind is really important. The New King James, uh, the King James, uh, the original Greek, actually uses the terms to gird up the loins of your mind. The picture there was that uh, uh, when, uh, back in Roman uh, uh, times, the uniform of a Roman soldier was a, was basically a skirt. And I'm kind of glad that men don't wear skirts today, but back then they did. And so I have never personally experienced this. I have been told that it's true. Ladies, you can maybe verify this. It's hard to run in a skirt. Is that true? I'll take that as true. That it binds up the legs, the knees. So they would have to lift it up and literally put it through the belt. Put it through 
the rope that would be tied around their waist to make their knees free so that they could run properly. That's the picture there of preparing your mind. The thought there is not only just the thought of uh, getting your control of it, but it's also the reality of the battleground. The picture that Paul, that Peter uses is words that were associated with war. Because the Christian battleground is the mind. It's usually not, you know, any temptation you can think of. You're going to win or lose that ahead of time in your mind. It is how you think, how you're processing life. Romans 8 warns us uh, and tells us those who are dominated by a sinful nature, think about sinful things. The word in the King James, New King James, carnal, lower nature. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. And he doesn't link this to our actions. He links this to our mind. The way we are thinking, processing life, how, how we're looking at events, how we're taking truth and lies, how we're taking uh, uh, actions and motives uh, are all in the mind. And how we're processing life will be won or lost in the mind. That's why the term here is to capture, prepare. To actually put effort into the mind ahead of time. So that you're not given over to the sinful ways and the sinful thoughts and the things that take us into captivity. 2 Corinthians 5 Uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. This is out of the message translation. It says, we use our powerful, uh, we use our powerful God uh, tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers that erect themselves against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of Of life shaped by Christ. That how we capture, prepare our minds. A couple of, I was reading an article on this, and it said some of the ways that you can capture your thoughts is first you have to accept responsibility that your thoughts are your thoughts. That's the first and foremost. Mind, you know, people say, well, mind control, brainwashed, all that. Good luck. Your thoughts are still your thoughts. How you think is on you, but we'll blame others. That's the first and foremost. You will never never prepare your mind. You will never get a handle on your mind if you are blaming everyone else for your thoughts. 
People can do a lot of things to you, but they can't control your thoughts. Listen to a fascinating book, driving back and forth to conference. It's called The Hard Parts. It's about a young girl from who was, it's a, it's a difficult story. It's a very hard uh, read or listen if you do that, but uh, uh, she was an uh, orphan affected by Chernobyl in the Ukraine, came to the United States, uh, adopted by a mother who actually lived in Buffalo and then moved to Kentucky, had to have both legs amputated as a result of that, was born with one kidney in the wrong spot, no bicep in her left arm, and she went on to win gold medals and in, in, in lots of medals in Paralympics. Credible story. She had lots of abuse, and I won't go into it. It was horrible. Those orphanages were horrible. They would often, in Lithuania, try to get me to go to one of the orphanages, and I would always say no. Not because I was cruel, but because if I went there, I would want to take them all home, and I couldn't do that. And so, but in this book, she says she goes to a sports psychologist who's trying to help her, and she says, what motivates you? And she says, anger, hate. The things she went through. He said, okay, think on those things and press on my hands. I'm going to press against you. You fight back. And she does that and she lasts for about 30 seconds. He said, okay, now you think about what makes you happy. She would go back to strawberries in the field and, and uh, her boyfriend and her mother and different things. And she would pray and last twice as long. He said, see, your thoughts are your thoughts. How you think affects you, gives you strength. You must understand that if you change your mind, it's not just your behavior that you need to change. This is people who testify that it's been X amount of time since they sinned less, since they last did a sin or something. This is the alcoholics. This is the AA. It's been 32 days, 4 hours, and 7 minutes since I've had my last drink. You're just clicking time. You're not really changed your mind towards alcohol. You're just trying to make your behavior and hope that it's, if it's long enough, it's acceptable. But if you don't change your mind, it won't change your behavior. Think through your problems rather than just react to them. They asked a man in the, uh, I think it was in the Trump administration, how do you do this? How do you process things? If you were on the space station and you got the alarm that you had 10 seconds, the oxygen had just left the space station, what would you do? You have 10 seconds. He goes, I'd think for eight and then act. And it became the eight-second rule around the White House. Don't react right away. Think it through. And you can choose to focus your thoughts. Philippians 4, verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these that are excellent and praiseworthy. You can choose... To think. Colossians 
3.21, think about the things of heaven, not on the things of earth. The picture in our text, Peter is writing, prepare, gird up, however you want to read it, is a preparation for your mind. We use terms like, oh, my mind drifted. I let my mind wander. And I get it. When you're tired, you can do this. It's not probably good to let it wander while you're driving. Right? But there's times we can let our minds wander. And that's not always bad. But you have to gain control of your mind. Paul writes to Titus, to the Everything that uh, is pure to those whose heart are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and their consciences are corrupt. If you've ever had a computer that the hard drive has gone corrupt, it doesn't work right. It doesn't retain things right. It doesn't act right. I've had those that have happened because of a virus getting into it. I've had those who have happened just because of an electronic crash, a power surge, something that ruined the computer. That's the terminology there. Some people, they're corrupted. They've let, other, they've let things into their minds. They've dwelt on things for a long time, like bitterness. And now they're negative all the time. Paul, uh, Peter gives us some recipes for winning the battle in our mind. And the good thing is you can be changed in your mind. The Bible says in Romans, and we'll look at this a little later, renewed in your mind. Our text says, so prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control. Put, hope, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when, Christ, when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your old desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do because God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. The first thing he talks about is hope. Now, in English, hope is a weak word. Gee, I really hope it doesn't rain today. Knock on wood and cross your fingers. And what that's saying is we're powerless. Like, it's, it's, there's no, you know, it's just, it's my wish. A lot of people use the word hope like wish. It's, oh, I, I hope I, you know, I hope I hit the lottery. I hope, uh, it, you know, it's like I wish well on you. But in the Greek, the word actually has to do with expectation or confidence. A hope was something strong. It was almost an assurity in that sense. It was the thought of having things. It's also translated as the word to trust. Is your hope in God? It's amazing. How we, especially in the Western culture, can put our hope in other things. Oh, I don't feel good. Take a pill. Never crosses our mind to pray. Our first react, take a pill. 
So God, Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, so God has given both his promise and his oath, the two things that are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. It leads us to certain, uh, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Do you have confidence in God? God, this will help your mind to say, God is going to help me. God is going to help me. Right. An expectation for God's help. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain help in a time of need. Because this now has to do with first hope. How big is your God? Is he bigger than your problems? Your past? Your struggles? Your needs? Is he bigger? The second thing Peter says is obedience. This actually has to do with an attentive hearkening, which means compliance or literally submission to God. When he says that we need to obey God. This is the thought, God knows better. One person used to compare that, you know, God's really, 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 really smart. And we're really, 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 really not. That God knows what he's doing. We think we've got, you know, things figured out, but if we'll be obedient to God, when it comes to what He asks of you personally, what He asks of us corporately, obedience. First John chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats the evil uh, world, And we achieve the victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Is God protecting you? Is God helping you? Is His commandment something that you're going to be smarter than? Or is it protective of you? Is it something that will help you in life? Now, when we think about obedience, many times it's simply the thought of, oh, I must do this, right? I have to, you know, God deals with me to witness to that person, so I witness to or pay my tower. But how about the obedience of thoughts? Don't raise your hand, but how many have had conversations with people who aren't in the room? Because it all took place up here. And you know exactly how they're going to react. You know exactly, yeah. Is that obedience? 
Is that what Jesus told us to do? It's protection for you. It says also that we have to be holy. This thought is the word sacred. It literally means the thought of pure, blameless, or religious. It's the thought of lifestyle, but it begins with the thought that God is holy. Part of it means to be set apart, different. God's called Christians to be different. To be different than the world. To act different. To live different. To think different. Hebrews 12, 14. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now we know that the lying, fornicating, adulterous, thief. Yeah, they've got their problems. We get that. Right? They just need to get saved is their problem. Right? But living in that state, they're not going to see God. We get that. You know, robbing banks, not going to be good for your spiritual health. Doing fentanyl is not going to be good for your spiritual health. It's just not. But think about this, because this is not what Peter's really going after here. He's not going after our blatant sins. He's talking about the mind. I know in our minds, trash can happen. It can be one of the most negative, disgusting, hate-filled places on planet Earth. All between, all behind a smiling face and some baby blues, greens, browns, whatever color your eyes are. You're just blinking. And in here is going on all sorts of things that are unholy. The preparing of the mind. In hope, obedience, and holiness. Because the issue that, Paul, that Peter is writing is found in verse 14. Why prepare the mind? So you don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires when you didn't know better then. Dealing with the old desires. Now hopefully, if you're saved for any length of time, some of the outward sinful natures fall off. The drinking, the smoking, the running around, those kind of things. They should fall off. That should change in a Christian's life. That should be a fundamental change that comes just by getting saved. 
But what Peter is dealing with is the old mindsets. The old ways of thinking. 1 Peter 4, 2 and 3, you won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough time in your past of evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkardness, their wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Yes, that happens. That should happen. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be drinking. You shouldn't be cheating on your spouse. You shouldn't. That's, that's a given. When those things happen, it's almost scandalous in the church. It's not scandalous in the world. That's what the world does. But how about the mindsets that draw us back towards certain things? As John writes in 1 John 2, 15 through 16, do not love the things the world has to offer you. For when the love of the world, for when you have the love of the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is fading away in everything that people crave. But anyone who does the will of God pleases the Father and will live forever. Think about this. The physical pleasures, maybe they've gone. But what about the pride of life? What about the pride that goes on up here? What about the thoughts that draw us towards things like bitterness, negativity, and unbelief. Positive mental attitude won't help you. It's repentance. You have to change your mind. Not just be positive about the bad things you're trying to do. He says we've received such a gracious salvation. The world in Peter's day as well as ours was full of religion. Full of rules, full of people who allowed their rules to fit their lifestyle. If I believe this way, I can still be a Christian and I can still be a believer and do this or do that. But the application here to the believer is the great salvation changes us. And it changes the way we think. That we can be different. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You have to prepare your minds. Let's talk about, just real quick in closing, how do you do that? 
Well, think about a soldier. First, they have to go through some kind of massive training. We call it boot camp. You know, especially, no offense, Randy, but the Marines are, you know, they're 16 weeks. Air Force has air-conditioned buildings and gets laptops for boot camp. Just saying. Right? They prepare them. And even beyond that, they have the SEAL training, which is crazy preparedness. But like any sport, any kind of military, what they're not after is just the physical. They're after the mental. Prepare the mind. If you've lost in your mind, you've lost the war. So how do you prepare your mind? First, the Word of God. I was reading Ephesians chapter 6, which is the armor of God. And it says, put on the helmet of salvation, taking up the sword of the Spirit. It talks about fiery darts that the enemy would, would send. The understanding and the picture of all of that is towards the mind. The hope of your salvation You ought to remind yourself, I'm saved. I'm saved. God saved me. You know, married people wear rings most of the time. I understand there's a few exceptions for all sorts of things. The Dutch wear them on their right hands. Most of the Europeans do. I don't know, I think that would hurt when people shake your hands, especially those who squeeze your hand. You know, you got a ring there anyway. But they, it, it's part of a reminder, right? I'm married. Reading the Word of God. What you're putting in there. Let me tell you the greatest way. You need to pray over your mind. I'm going to pray for, pray for people's minds today. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as long as you live in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say, think about good things. But prayer over the mind. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 through 5. We are humans, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Filling yourself, your mind. If you're, you know, watching garbage all day long, then you're never going to get control of your mind. 
what you look at, what you read, what you listen to, all is going to affect how you think. That's what this world and culture aims for. But you can pray over your mind. You can read the Word of God and get control of your mind. It is interesting, as I've pastored for a number of years, 35 to be exact, this, this last conference, actually, 35 years ago, we were sent out last, this April. Thinking about just people who have lost the battle. One of my first, very first converts in Falmouth, Massachusetts was a kid named Chris. And I'd say, Chris, how you doing? Hammered. Hammered. All day long. Hammered. He had been saved for eight years. And he read Playboy, not his Bible. No wonder why he was Hammered. When he finally, he went to a Bible conference, actually, I remember him coming, we were in Falmouth, and it was just real close down the road, and brought him up and prayed with him, and he began to confess some things to me, and God began to help him, and then some other pastor offered him ministry, and he left. He was just, just into the religious world. He didn't want to have to deal with it, but eight years, I said, how do you, you've been saved for eight years, how do you know the Bible? Oh, people tell me things. that how you get the word of God? People tell you things? Let God help you with that. Pray for your mind. Pray, God, help me in my thinking. Help me in my reasoning. Help me in the way I'm processing life. God will help you in your mind. And yes, there's times you might start slipping back a little bit. The old, bitter, negative thoughts creeping. Read the Word of God. A pastor told me that whenever he would be struggling, feel dry, he would just spend lots of time reading the Word of God. Especially if there were temptations or things coming his way, he'd just read the Word of God. Which... Fills Charles Spurgeon's quote. Sin will keep you from the word of God, but the word of God will keep you from sin. Filling yourself with that. Preparing your mind. Hate to tell you this, but over the next week, you're going to face some battles in your mind. Not trying to prophesy any gloom or day. It's just life. We're going to face those struggles up here. We're going to face having to compute and reason out. And we're not always going to be right in our conclusions. But God can help you. The Word of God. And pray over your mind. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning. And you're not saved. You're not right with God. Listen, life is a battle mostly fought in the mind. How we react to people, how we react to situations, circumstances, the things we do, they're either won or lost in the mind. The good news is Jesus Christ came to renew your mind, to help your mind. 
In fact, the word to repent means to change your mind, metanoia. God wants to help you win the victory in life. And if you're in sin, you're not going to get out of it that way. It's not self-willpower. It's not must-try-harder. It's God does a miracle for you. And if you've come this morning and you're not right with God, it would be our privilege to pray with you, to pray for you, to, to introduce you to Jesus Christ, that you can know Him in a great and powerful way, and you can be changed. You're not joining a church. You're not you know, signing a creed. You're just simply praying a prayer and letting Jesus come into your heart and to your life. He begins to change you. If that's you, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Thank God. Anyone else want to join an honest heart this morning? Want to get right with God? Slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. Maybe you're backslidden. You're away from God. Maybe you lost the battle in your mind and you went back to your old ways and you need to come back. Anyone else? Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Thank God. Amen. You mean that, don't you? Would you come this morning? I need a brother very quickly. Anyone else want to join him? Just kneel down right here. Somebody's going to pray with you. What else? Very quickly. Yanni's going to pray with you. Come, quickly. Jeremy, could you pray with him? Come. Nelson's going to pray with you. Praise God. God is good. Changing the call then to Christians. We fight lots of battles. My, My main battles aren't outside my head. That's where we're going to have to prepare our minds. Word of God, prayer, holy living, obedience, and hope. Let's all stand. These altars are open. Find a place to pray. We're going to sing a song, Worship His Name, this morning. And my soul knows very well. You lift me up. I'm cleansed and free. And my soul knows very well. I stand.
Why don't we stand this? I'd like, I'd like to help you this morning. Stand to your feet. I want you to take your hand and put it on your head. Because we're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our minds. And I want you to say, Father in heaven, I need your help. I need to prepare my mind against the assaults of hell, against temptations, against old mindsets. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus Christ right now. You're going to help me. God, I'm committing to your hope. I'm committing to your obedience. I'm committing to your holiness. You're going to help me. You're going to help me win the battle in my mind. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Let's give him praise. Give him glory. Father, right now, bring deliverance. Thank God. Take whatever it is to God in prayer. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human reasoning, will guard, literally garrison your hearts and your minds to keep you in the will of God. This is where we win or lose. And this is where we have to fight and prepare that we can be and do what God needs us and wants us to do. Thank God for his love, his mercy. His kindness.